This is a very special lesson that I'm going to teach on here tonight because I want all of us to be prepared on how the enemy will come at us and how he attacks us, what he is able to do and what he's not able to do. And uh, I want to give you some things here from the Word of God. I've been, I've been thinking on this for several weeks, working on it in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I want to pass it along to you as the Lord has impressed me with it. We've entitled it Spiritual Warfare, Spiritual Warfare, Overcoming Temptations. Spiritual Warfare, Overcoming Temptations. And I'm going to begin here by doing our number one here. Uh, we have an enemy right here. I'm going to just lay this pen right here. We have an enemy. And if you look at the scripture here, 1 Peter 5, 8. If you have your, have your Bibles and we'll turn to that. 5, 8. And it says here, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, this is the devil's actions. This is what he does. Don't think for a moment that he doesn't want you to fail God, cause you to miss uh, your walk in God and somehow or another not make it to heaven. The Lord, the devil is uh, trying to trip you up, and the Lord is our Savior, he is our friend, and he is our helper in the time of need. Praise God. So I'm going to pass some things along to you here that I think will be a, a blessing to you. We are in a special warfare, a spiritual warfare. Look at Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 6.11. Ephesians 6.11. That says 6. Yeah, that should be chapter 6, verse 11. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles means tricks, that you may be able to stand against his tricks. Put on the whole armor of God. What armor is he talking about? He's not talking about a physical armor. He's talking about a spiritual armor. And that's brought out here, and we're going to be talking to you about that a little bit further on in our lesson. But he goes on to say here that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Notice that. This is not our battle, flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, because we'll need everything to be able to fight the enemy in all of this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Praise God. So we're pointing out to you here that the Bible teaches us very emphatically that we are in a spiritual warfare now, the next on part C here, and we'll move along very quickly here on this because I've got a lot of things to bring out to you. Our own souls are at stake, but victory is assured to all who will keep God's word. 
victory is assured to all who will keep God's word. Praise the Lord. And uh, our souls are at stake, but God has guaranteed us the victory on that. Now, the scriptures that we want you to turn to is found in John 15. John 15 to substantiate that statement that we're making there. And this is John 15 and 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. Look at this closely now. Excuse me. (coughs) Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Now the Lord is saying here that the secret is that in this warfare that we're talking about, and being able to fight the battle, the keeping of our soul, is to stay in Christ. I want to emphasize that to all of us here today. Stay in Christ. Praise the Lord. Don't ever get casual. Don't ever get loose. Don't ever get frivolous. But stay connected with Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about that as we go along. Uh, Look also in verse 7. Verse 7, we're moving on down. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And then going to verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. If you keep my commandments. Even as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, I've given you some scriptures here on how that we are fighting to protect our soul, and the answer, of course, is abiding in Christ. We'll talk more about that as we go along, but we've got to stay connected with Jesus Christ. This is a very important thing. Now, number two here. To be spiritually equipped for this warfare, A, we must have a personal relationship with Christ. Now, look at that very closely. We've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've often used this as I didn't put it in here as a scripture because I referred to it not too long ago. But uh, the Lord asked uh, Peter, his disciple, unto whom do men say that I am? They said that. Some say you're this one, you're that one, and that one. He said, whom do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it unto thee. And I say unto you. Now, Peter had just said, thou art the Christ. And then, Je- then, Peter, then Jesus said to Peter, and I say unto thee, you know, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church. Not on the rock of Peter, because Peter means stone. And I can go, to, I can go over to the book of St. John and show you where it says that, but I don't take time to do that. It's not talking about Peter, but he says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The rock of relationship between the two. He said, whom do men say that I am? Whom do ye say that I am? Thou art the Christ. I know who you are, Jesus. I know you. And Jesus said, and thou art Peter. 
and upon this rock, the rock of relationship. Now, I'm telling you that, folks, because it's so important to have an individual relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on that because I've talked about it before to you, but it's a very important thing to have a personal relationship with Jesus and to be connected with the Lord. Many uh, years ago when, uh, uh, when your, your pastor first became pastor, and I had turned the church to him, and he had become now the new pastor and everything. And he said to me, Dad, how can we establish our new people? What's the best way to go? And I said, you know, son, I said, the best thing to me is that we teach people to establish a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, it's always been before that my personal belief, we got to teach them doctrine. Got to teach them, you know, what we believe and how we believe and where the Bible says it and how the Bible says it and all that. Teach that. But I came to the place where I said, I think we need to teach the people first and foremost to establish and develop a relationship with Jesus. Now, I still believe that. When a new Christian comes to the Lord, the first and most important thing that he or she needs to do is to begin to establish a relationship with Jesus. Get to know the Lord. Get Let him know you. Become very acquainted with the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Uh, have times of devotion. Have times of prayer meetings. Have, I know we come to church and we worship the Lord, but in your own personal prayer life, develop that relationship with God because this is one of the most important things that we'll have in our walk with God and in being able to fight off the powers of darkness. Now I'm going to move on here a little bit further here. We must have the Word of God in our hearts. The Word of God in our hearts. Look at Psalms 119.11. 119.11. This is uh, this one that we quote often. I quote it and I'm sure others do too. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. All right? So what we have to do is get the word of God in our hearts. We must read it, study it, look at it. Praise the Lord. This is why reading the Bible through every year is a good thing. Uh, some of you have those little brochures and you read the Bible through. I think three chapters, three chapters a day would pretty well get you there some way, you know. But reading the Bible through, sometimes not going straight through, but maybe taking the Old Testament, then some of the New Testament, then the Old Testament, New Testament, back and forth, and reading the Bible all the way through, and it will make you strong in the Lord. You'll always read scriptures that you think, you know, I don't remember ever seeing that before, because God will open up the Word of God to us. Every scripture is like a diamond. If you take a diamond... A cut diamond, I'm thinking of, of one, just one that's cut. If you take a, a cut diamond, and I'm not an authority on that by no means, because I don't deal with diamonds, but they say that if you just turn it this way, that way, it'll give off a different light. It'll shine. You turn it this way, it'll give off a shine. You turn it that way, it'll give off another light reflection, another, another reflection. This is the way the Word of God is. You can read a scripture one day and you say, wow. Man, I never realized that. I never saw that, that that way before. And then you can read it maybe the next month, that same verse of Scripture, and you see, you see something else in that verse that you never saw before. 
And God's word is like that. It's a very powerful thing. So we want to have the word of God in our hearts. And see, uh, we must do what the word of God teaches and not be just hearers only. In other words, what the Bible says, we have to do it, not just say, oh, I'm going to read it and maybe get it in my heart. But we have to begin to live it. We've got to do it. We've got to follow it. Now, I've got the scripture of James there. If you go to James for just a moment, 121, 25. James 1, 21 and 25. Praise the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 20. Uh, chapter 1 and verse uh, 21 through 25. Chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. Look at that very closely. 21. Wherefore... Lay apart all filthiness and superfluency of, of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. This is what he's saying now. Lay, lay aside all this other stuff that would damage your, your knowledge and your belief and your faith and confidence in God's word. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man holding him, beholding himself in, an, in a natural face in a glass. That's a looking glass mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. This is James talking now. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. And the word here, work here, is referring here to the work of Calvary and the work of Christ. Praise the Lord. He is a doer of what the Lord did and brought to us, gave us. Praise the Lord. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that the Bible teaches us that if we want to be uh, in fighting this warfare, we want to be overcomers, that we also have to be, praise the Lord, doers of the word and hearers of the word. So get the word in your heart, believe it with all of your heart, and then practice it. Practice it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad all of you folks are in church here tonight. God bless you. Amen. The Bible says, neglect not the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, seeing the day approaching. Well, what day? Well, we definitely are seeing the coming of the Lord approaching. So in this day and hour, let us be in the house of God. Let us worship God and glorify his name and so forth. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here number three here. Now, look very closely at this. Satan is our enemy and our deceiver. He's our enemy and a deceiver. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and then I'm going to talk to you for a moment here. Look in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11.13. This is the verse of scripture that we have reference to here, right here. 2 Corinthians 11.13. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, Paul here is writing to the Corinthians, and he's referring to some people who were, had been Christians, but they deviated and they have left the faith, but they're still calling themselves apostles. And they're claiming to be what they were not. And Paul was rebuking them for that. 
and tell the Corinthians, watch out for these kind of people. For such, a, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, he says. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He himself transforms himself like he's some, somewhat. 15. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, that's Satan's ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. They'll act that way. Whose end shall be according to their own works. Whose end shall be according to their own works. And then in conjunction with that verse of scripture, I, uh, I'm going to read also a verse of scripture here that's found in, uh, uh, where was that verse? Oh yeah, Revelations 12.9. If you go to Revelation 12.9 for a moment. Revelations 12.9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan. In other words, the serpent, the devil, Satan's all the same one. <coughs> Excuse me. Which deceiveth the whole world. Notice the word deceive here. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So it's pointing out here, both in those scriptures there, that Satan is a deceiver. Now, be careful about deceptions, folks. I remember years ago, I, uh, I made a trip to California. We had a general conference in Southern California. And while I was there, I and some of us, my wife and several others, went together to uh, one of those Hollywood studios, MGM, or I won't name them. I don't know who they were. Columbia. I can't remember which one it was. But it was one of those movie studios. And when they began to show me how they made the movies, the biggest impression I had with watching and seeing it was how they had designed and, and, and skilled themselves in deceiving the audience. They can make you see what they want you to believe. It caused that. They, they had ways of doing it. I'm going to just give you one little small thing. Like a western, they had a little western town there. And they had a little street there and they had the, the, you know, the little porch thing that's about six inches off the ground, you know, on one side, saloon in there and all that stuff. They had one side over there had the post, you know, and they usually show somebody walking out, you know, toward the street. He walks out on this wooden little porch thing. On one side, the porch was very high. On the other side, the porch was very low. If the man, the cowboy, walked out, they put him on the one where the roof is low, where he looks tall. And when he'd walk out, it looked like, wow, he had to duck his head just to get out from under the porch. It was so low because he was so tall. But the woman in the film, she's probably a model in some cases were even taller than the men were. They had her walk from the other side. They pointed this out to us. They heard her walk out because the, the porch ceiling is very high and makes her look small or short. Just a simple little deception like that. But it was over and over and over and over all kinds of little deceptions. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Don't look at movies and say, well, that's the way it is. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Not at all. Deception, folks, is out there in the world. There's all kinds of deception. 
But the word of God is always true. You can hold fast to it. You can believe it. You can stand upon it. It is always right. It will never fail you. Praise the Lord. But there's all kinds of deceptions out there. And Satan is full of all kinds of things to deceive us. So stay faithful to God. Walk with God. There's all kinds of things out there. He's full of tricks and so forth. You don't want to follow that. But you want to say, I'm going to walk with God and believe the Lord with all my heart. Now, goes on to say here, Satan is an enemy and a deceiver. However, look at this closely now. Satan cannot own you. Are you, are you with me now? He cannot own you, possess us, or control us. Unless we submit ourselves to him through witchcraft, voodooism, sorcery, or some form of devil worship. Now, I'm pointing this all out to you because there is a such thing as devil possession. But there are some people that think that we have to fight the devil. You know, No, 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 no. The devil can't touch you if you walk with God. Believe me. He can't lay a hand on you if you're faithful to the Lord and you stay consistent in God. He can't touch you. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. He has no way of even getting to you. Only if we submit ourselves to him. How do you do that, Brother Myers? Through all of this the stuff I named here, voodooism and witchcraft and all this stuff that people give themselves to, seances, all that kind of mess. They give themselves to that. Uh, I had a missionary a number of years ago. It's been probably... 30, 35 years ago, I had a missionary come our way and preach for us on a Wednesday night. When we got all through with the Wednesday night service, he said to me afterwards, when we were eating, at, eating snacks at our house, he said, Brother Myers, he said, I have a movie that I took over in the country that I was a missionary in. It was some, some country in Africa, and I don't even remember what country it was in that country in Africa. And uh, he says, once a year, the people in this village, this town, give themselves over to their ancestors to possess them because they believe in ancestor worship. Are you with me? We, they believed in ancestor worship. They worship their ancestors. So once a year, there's a certain day that they submitted their, themselves to their ancestors for their ancestors to come back into their body and possess them and to go around and do whatever they want to do. And he had a, a photographer, professional movie projector, photographer come in that day and take pictures of what went on. And he said, would you like to see it? It's pretty heavy to show it to a congregation. I said, okay, I'll look at it. So he brought it out, hooked it up, and showed this movie that he had taken. These people in this village literally gave themselves over to what they thought was an ancestor, and it was demonism. Right. Demonism is what it is, because ancestors don't come back. They don't come back. The Bible says the dead know not anything. That's right. The soul and spirit goes back to God who gave it. If you're wicked, you go to hell. If you're... If you're righteous, you go to paradise, and the body remains in the grave, as you, as you well know, until the resurrection. Now, I'm telling you all of that so that you understand here that these people literally gave themselves over to it, and they did the most horrible things in that day. 
I, I cannot even begin to tell you the things that I saw them doing to each other and to other people because the devil just came out and was working through these people. This is the truth. One guy, a demon possessed him, and he went around strangling people to death. And on that day, he murdered eight people. He literally did that. That's demon possession. Now, I'm telling you that because that does exist in the world that we live in. But people that may give themselves to the power of darkness like that has no power over you. Honestly, you've got to understand in, in the name of Jesus, with the word of God in your heart, with the love of Jesus in your soul, and the word of God, praise the Lord, steadfast in your heart and soul and living the life and walking with God, the devil and nobody else can touch him. Uh, one of our missionaries from, from uh, Brazil, down in, he was, he's telling me this here several years ago. He was in Brazil and uh, he had a church. And he drove up to his church. He didn't know this had happened, but somebody had hired a, 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 vo, a voodoo person or a witch, witchcraft or somebody. I don't know what you call them. A sorcerer, some kind of sorcerer, I guess he was. Had hired a, a sorcerer to come there and put a spell on him. Put a spell on this preacher. He said, I got out of the car. And it was a distance from his car, walking up the sidewalk to the front of the church, probably like about from here to the, to the, to the sound booth back there. He got out of his car and started walking. And this guy came out of the side and started walking around him, chanting. And he said, I knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to put a spell on me and hoodwink me and voodoo me. And he said, I stopped. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Those two statements, folks, you can always ward off the enemy. He said, I plead the blood of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He said, I kept saying that, kept saying that, kept saying that, until finally the man walked away. And he told the guy that had hired him to do it. He said, I have no power on this man. I don't know what it is, but I have no power over him at all. I can't touch him. Now, all, all of our missionaries know that. That's right. That's right. And he had the word of God in his heart, and that's the power of God. And the devil can't touch you. So all this kind of stuff that we can see about and know about and hear about and everything, they can't touch you. I had a guy one time came to our church uh, over in the old building, and uh, he was a young man, probably in his early 20s. And his girlfriend brought him to church. It, it, nobody was there. It was just a close. I was in the office there. And they came in and said, could we talk to you for a moment? And he came in and he was looking real funny and shifty-eyed and, and acting real weird and sweating and, and everything. And I said, yeah, sit down. And he said, she said to him, my friend here was dealing and was around some of these people that do some of this witchcraft and hoodoo, voodoo, whatever it is, voodoo stuff here a while back. And I think he's got a demon on him. I think he's got a demon in him. And I thought I'd bring him here to a Pentecostal minister because I know the Pentecostals cast out these things. And I brought him here to you, and I want to know if you could cast out the devil. Shortly before that, I had talked to a missionary who had said, when you... Pray for a person that's demon-possessed. Never touch them. Never lay hands on them. 
You lay hands on the sick, you know, hands on the afflicted. You pray for people like that or people that just need prayer. But when they're demon-possessed, don't ever touch them. Just cast the devil out. Because he, and I think it's in that way in the New Testament, the scriptures, when Jesus did that. So I said, I'm going to follow that. So the man sat down and his eyes are blinking, running around like this. I said, now I'm going to pray for you. And God is going to cast this devil out of you. Are you understand that? I closed my eyes, folks. And the devil spoke to my heart just as clear as if I'm talking to you right now, but not audibly, but to my heart. He said, this is a small devil. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it wanted me to know that this is not going to be a big deal. But he just said, this is a small devil. And I had all kind of confidence right there. I stood there and I rebuked the devil and cast that devil out. And everything prayed for that fellow, and they began to worship him, and her both began to worship God and began to praise the Lord. And he stood on his feet and lifted his hand, began to praise the Lord. And then he walked out the door of my office in the old church, walked across the vestibule into the auditorium, and walked down the aisle with his hand raised like this. And later on, he, when he came back out, he said, I have not felt joy and peace and happiness in I don't know how long. And he said, when I first walked in and I saw the auditorium, he said, I, I, I went into chills. I couldn't hardly stand being in here. I wanted to run. But now, he said, I feel the presence and the joy and the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to tell you here that we have power over those things. If we walk with God, serve God and walk with him with all of our heart and soul. I'm just talking about now the powers of darkness. Let me move on, though, to where I really want to get to you. I've got some things I want to talk to you about here. The only way Satan can get to us is through temptation. This is how he gets to us. He tempts us. That's the only way he can get to us. I'm going to talk to you about how that we handle temptations. Amen. And this is what I have brought this whole Bible study around to do, is to tell you here and show you. That God, praise the Lord, wants us to know how to handle temptations. And there's all kinds of different temptations. Everybody still with me? All right. Understanding temptation. Eve's temptation in the garden. Genesis 3, 1, and 6. I think most of you know it. I won't even try to read the verse of scripture. But the serpent came, you know, the devil through the serpent came to Eve, you know, and said to her, Have God said in the day that you eat this fruit, you shall surely die? And she says, Yeah. The Lord said, they will eat this fruit, we sure shall die. You will not surely die. You know, he first he questioned her, and that's what his always strategy is. Always question the word of God. Did God say, did God say, did God say? And then he begins to out, he begins to deny it outright. No, you won't die, you'll be all right. And, and so forth. And he lied to her, as you well know. Has anybody seen Eve lately? Anybody seen Eve? No, no, she's dead and gone. She died a long time ago. Because the word was true. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here that he did lie to her and everything. And that's one of David's, the devil's tricks there. Now, here's my big question. Look at number one, the small one under A here. Why did God permit this temptation to happen? Why did God even put the tree there? Why did he put the tree in the garden? You ever had anybody ever ask you that? Why did God put that tree? He put the tree of life in the garden. Then he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and said, I don't eat the fruit of this tree. Why didn't he just leave it out? 
You know why? Because God gave man his own will and made him a free moral agent and for him to make his own decisions and have his own thoughts and his own heart about things and can do what he wants to do. And God, praise the Lord, gave him the tree and that fruit on the tree so that he could be tempted and prove his heart and prove what was inside of him. Praise the Lord. Look at this very closely here. Why did God permit temptation? Answer, to test and prove Adam and Eve. To test them and prove them. You ever been tempted? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Anybody here ever? <laughs> Boy, look at all the hands. No, no. <laughs> Anyone ever been tempted? Amen. Sure you have. God allows it. He allows it. God allows the temptation to test you and to prove what's in your heart. And when you pass the temptations and you overcome, praise the Lord, it's a victory for you. It's a victory for the cause of Christ. It's a, it's a victory for truth. Praise the Lord. So just as he did that with Adam and Eve, he does with everybody. Everybody has that opportunity to say, I'm going to live for God or I'm not going to live for God. I'm going to choose the world or I'm going to choose God. We all have that decision to make. God doesn't say, oh, you're going to live for me. I don't care what you do. You're going to live for me. No, 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 no. You have the will and you have the right to make a decision whether you're going to serve God or you're not. And God leaves that. And so Satan comes around to tempt you to see if he can get you to give up what you've got in your heart. If you can lay it down, if you won't follow after something that's down the road. Yeah, he'll, he'll do that. Oh, yeah. The answer is the test of Adam and Eve. Number two here. I'm going to go to number two here. And that's why God allows us to be tempted to reveal what's in the heart. To reveal what's in the heart. Look at Matthew 15 with me. Matthew 15. Praise God. 15 and uh, 18. 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth came forth, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart, and this is the main thought here, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which are defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man, because the Pharisees were condemning the disciples of Jesus for eating with unwashed hands. And he said, that's not what defiles them, but it's the fact that they allow these things to be in their heart. I'm going to read verse 19 again. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemers, and all, and so all of these. These are all the things which defile a man. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here that it's the things that's in the heart and the Lord brings those things out. And so they're brought out of our heart if they're in there and then God wants it brought out. Now, look at Psalm 7 and 9. One other verse of scripture here, Psalm 7 and 9. Praise God. We're right on schedule here. Look at 7 and 9. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just 
For the righteous God trieth the hearts and the reins. God tries the heart. He tries the heart. Praise the Lord. He will test us. He will try us. That he is going to know what's on the inside. Praise the Lord. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 28, 9. In other words, God knows what's in the heart. God knows what's in the heart. I'm going to, let me read that First Kings here, 839. Let me read that to you. Praise God. 839. Then hear thou in heaven, thou dwelling place, and forgive and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. God knows the heart. Now notice that. He knows the heart. For thou even... The, for thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. God knows what's on the inside, but he lets the heart manifest itself so that what's in there might be brought out because God doesn't judge us by what's in the heart, though he knows what's in the heart. He judges us by the works or the actions of the heart. So he allows us to be tempted so that what's in the heart will be brought out. That's why, folks, guard your heart. Protect your heart. Praise the Lord. When Satan tempts you, he's going to try to bring out what may be in the heart. What may be there that he'll bring it out that there might be a reason, a thing that he can, you know, bring you down or cause you to feel God or whatever the case might be. I'm just pointing out the things here that uh, how these things all happen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want you to go to Second Samuel. This is not in your notes, but go to Second Samuel, if you would, chapter 12 for a moment. Uh, this is a very interesting verse of Scripture because this is where David had sinned with Bathsheba. I'm going to point this out to you. And uh, actually, it was the 11th chapter that he committed the sin. This is an interesting, in chapter 11, verse 1, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. That David sent Joab and so forth. But David, at the end of that verse says, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. When kings go forth to battle, David stayed home. And he got in trouble. Hear me closely here. David got in trouble because he stayed home when he should have gone into battle, which is what kings did in those days. He let his men be out front saying that we're going to, you know, possess the land that God gave us and we never got rid of all the enemy out here. We're getting rid of them. This is what David was having to fight was old enemies that had never just gotten, they'd never gotten the victory over. So when kings go to battle, David stayed home. And when he did, he looked upon Bathsheba over on the roof of her house. He's on the roof of his house and everything. And he, he lusted after her and, and had her brought her over to her, his house, his house and committed adultery with her because her husband was out on the battlefields fighting. David committed a great sin there. He did. Let me just say one thing here. When it's time to go to church, go to church. When it's time to pray, pray. When it's time to worship, worship. Don't let the enemy stray you off when it's time to be 
where God wants you to be. Praise the Lord. God wants us, praise the Lord, to want to be in his presence, to be in his house. You know, Sunday morning comes, I just got to go to church. You know, I know there's times for sickness, there's times that people are afflicted. Some people are dealing with with problems in their lives. Some of our older people, they're dealing with some things. I understand all that. But if those things are not happening, let's don't just say, oh, I think I'm just going to stay home today, you know. No, no, no. Say, I'm going to be found in the house of God. And when you come to the house of God, don't just sit there like this. Don't sit there and on your cell phone. Don't sit there and make a grocery list. No, worship God. That's what we're there for. Give your attention to the word of the Lord. Let that word come into your heart and praise the Lord and thank him. I'm just telling you here that there are sometimes things that we have to make sure that we don't set the stage for Satan to come our way. Uh, let me just say something else here. The Bible goes on to talk about it. He talks about it. The Lord sent Nathan the prophet to David and said, David, go tell, I mean, Nathan, go tell David, give him this parable. And he gave a parable and he said, David, there was a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had all kinds of lambs, new lambs. And he said the poor man had just one. And he said a traveler came his way. And to entertain the traveler, he wanted to have a feast. And instead of using one of his own new lambs, he went and took the lamb of the poor man and made a feast with that lamb to give to the traveler. And David was so angry when he heard that story. He said, that man shall surely die. And Nathan said, David, thou art the man. You're the man. Pointed him right out. And David was crushed by it. He realized that God was merciful to him for him to, you know, be revealed the sin. So I won't go into all the detail there. But I just want to just tell you this. That the Lord, praise the Lord, wants you and I to stay very faithful to him. And I ask you this question. I think we can size this up. The rich man was David. The poor man was Uriah. The, 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 uh, and the ewe lamb was Bathsheba. Uriah was the, uh, was the husband of Bathsheba. And, uh, and he was, she was, and, uh, who was the traveler? Who was the traveler? Who would that be? You can tell you who it is. It's the thoughts. Are you with me now? It's the thoughts that came his way. It's the temptation that came to him. It's what came into his mind. It's what came his. And how we entertain the thoughts makes all the difference in the world how we respond to the temptation. Hope you're getting what I'm saying here. Be careful how you entertain the thoughts. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to move on a little quicker here because I'm getting into where I want to really talk to you. I know my time's running out here. Don't, how to handle temptations. Don't respond to temptations. Now, look at A here. This is a little example I'm giving. A tree falls in the forest. What a great crashing sound it makes. Does it? And most of us know this little story, you know. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around there, does it make any sound? 
What's the answer? There is no sound. You know why? The sound is in your ear. It makes sound waves. If a tree falls in the forest, no, nothing's around to hear it. Nobody's around to hear it. It makes sound waves, but there's no sound to the forest because the sound is in your own ear. How did you receive? How do you receive it? In other words, it's how it was received, whether it was received or not. Uh, let me use another illustration. Uh, somebody calls me. I'm, I'm sitting here now, and I got my cell phone's in their office. Somebody calls me, and uh, I don't know who they called. I'm not. I mean, I'm out here. I'm not in there. Later on, maybe next week, they tell. Uh, let's say my my wife, Dr. Myers. They say to her. Uh, I called the bishop last Wednesday, and she says to me, so-and-so said, he or she, let's say, there's a guy, he called you. I said, he didn't call me. I said, he didn't call me. He says he called me. I say he didn't call me. You know why? Because I didn't respond to anything. You're tempted but if you don't respond to it, your temptation goes away. You have no temptation. You did not respond. Praise the Lord. Uh, we can be tempted all kind of ways. We could be tempted with, uh, you know, anger. We can be tempted with uh, temptations, you know. Uh, but I'm just trying to say here today to all of us here, that don't respond to temptations. I've used this illustration before. If you go by the donut shop and you, you want to eat a donut, but you're trying to lose weight and donuts making you gain weight, don't go by the donut shop. Go a different way. If you're working on a job and somebody there is getting to you, husbands, a woman, quit the job. Tell God you go, you say, God help me, I'll find another job. Amen. I'm just I'm being serious. Amen. Amen. That's how you cut off those things. You don't pick up the phone. The phone rings, you don't pick it up. Ring, 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 somebody called me. Yeah, the other end, they say, I called him. Satan says, I tempted him. Was I tempted? No, because I never picked up the phone. You understand what I'm saying here? We don't respond. Don't respond to it. We can do it by being angry with something. I, a uh, number of years ago, I was uh, at a general conference, and this brother told this story. He was a pastor, one of our black brothers, pastor uh, of an outstanding church in Detroit, Michigan. And he got a call in the middle of the night. Policeman called him and said, come down to your church. Your church is on fire. Oh, my God. He jumped in the car and drove down there. Church was burning up burning down and he said what happened and the police said all we know is that it was arson it wasn't an accident somebody set fire to your church and he said he stood there before probably 15,000 people he said I stood right there and watched my church burn down and I said, if I could get my hands on the guys that set fire to this, I'd strangle them right now. I'd strangle them to death. 
Oh, I know Jesus said, you know, they smite you one cheek, turn the other. I know Jesus said, you know, love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. But right now, if I could get my hands on them, I'd strangle them to death. He says, and then he felt the Holy Ghost come over him. And he said, I got a long way to go to be like the Lord. And he went away and wrote that song. I got a long way to go to be like the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've never been spit upon. I've never been bruised. I've never been pierced in my side. But I've got a long way to go to be like the Lord. He said, praise the Lord, he sings that song. He wrote that famous song, became one of our famous music numbers. He became a great songwriter. Writer. They found the guys. They caught them. They were sent off to prison. The insurance paid for the new church. They built a new church. Everything came out okay. But he could have been wrapped up with that hatred and malice. Whoever burnt my church down. Because they didn't like him or they didn't like the Pentecostal movement. They didn't like speaking in tongues, whatever it was. And now they burnt the church down. But he went away from that, praise the Lord, and decided to write a song. I've never been spit upon. I've never been bruised. Praise the Lord. I never have been wounded in my side. And I've got a long ways to go to be like the Lord. Folks, Jesus went through a lot of things, praise the Lord. But he wants us to say, Jesus, we believe in you and we trust in you with all of our heart and all of our soul. I just thought I'd pass that along to you because I was touched by that. Because at that moment, revenge was what was in his heart. It can be all kinds of things that come our way. You understand? Anything can come our way. But we say, Jesus, just keep me right. Keep me strong. And with that in his heart, Lord, I got a long ways to go to be like you. And I want to be like you. And he came through it. He came through it. Praise the Lord. He was victorious. Wrote a beautiful song. And wrote many other outstanding songs as well. I'm going to wrap this up now. Praise the Lord. Uh, A tree falls in the forest. I've mentioned that. If we do respond to the temptations, then the tempter, Satan, has been defeated. We do not respond. He's been defeated. That's how we defeat him. We defeat him, and our spiritual warfare battle is won because we do not respond to temptation. And it comes again. And then it says, our power to resist temptations comes through a consistent prayer life, faithful church attendance, and individual devotions. Now, I'm going to wrap this up with this, and my time is gone. But in uh, one of the uh, early scriptures here, we talked about put on the whole armor of God. This is up here in B, up here, Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 6, 11 through 13, that we may fight the warfare. Here's what the armor is. Look at it. This is picking up at verse 14 now. Going back to one of our first verses. Now I'm picking up here at the end. And it's not in your notes, but I'm just starting. Ephesians six fourteen. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. He's talking about this armor now, this suit of armor that we can put on, spiritual armor. The... Uh, Loins girt about with, with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
and your feet shod, that's shoed up with shoes on, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Of 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It's all the temptations he threw at our way. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Notice, folks, it's the sword of the spirit. And it goes on to say, which is the word of God? This right here is the sword of the spirit. We call it our sword sometimes. It's really the sword of the spirit. But this word in our hearts, well, praise the Lord, will be a defense against anything the devil may ever come at us. When Jesus was tempted himself by Satan, whenever he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, no food or water or nothing, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, when Jesus was tempted afterwards of Satan, he used the word of God against him. You know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Three times the Lord used scripture against the devil. And that's our defense, praise the Lord. And then finally, uh, verse 18 here. Pray, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So I'm just pointing out to you here that God wants us to be victorious, folks. You're a great audience. You're wonderful people. You're the best people in this city. I'm serious because you love God and you walk with God. And on a Wednesday night, you're in a Bible study. You know, stay faithful to the Lord. Hold fast to what you've got. And one day the trumpet will sound. Praise the Lord. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But we'll be victorious in Jesus Christ, overcoming Satan by, praise the Lord, reflecting, casting off temptations and holding fast to the Lord with all of our hearts. We do that through prayer, private devotions consecration, being faithful to the house of God, all the things that we know that we should do, that we may walk with him in spirit and in truth. Let's all stand together and give God the praise. Let's thank him right now. God bless you. You've been a great audience here tonight. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify your name. We thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you, God, that you have given us, Lord, a way of salvation. Lord, we know that one day you're going to catch us away and you're going to take us home. Help us, God, to fight every battle. Help us to defeat the enemy, O oh God, by resisting temptation, holding fast to the things of God. Thank you for the word of God. There's a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our pathway. We give you the praise and glory for all things, Jesus, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You're dismissed in his name.